0: It will be good to remember what the church is for and what is our role among God's uh, people. In uh, 1980, a new seminary graduate, his name was Rick Warren, before he started the church, he made a survey. So he went around California and asked people one question. Why do you not go to church? Why do you not go to church? Actually, later on, another pastor before starting a church, this time in New York, his name is Dr. Tim Keller before he started Redeemer Presbyterian Church, he also asked people in uh, Manhattan one question. And his question was, if you will attend a church, what kind of church do you like to attend to? So Rick Warren is more negative. Uh, Tim Keller is more positive. So, in the answers to uh, Rick Warren, there are five top reasons why Americans do not go to church. Number one, they said they get bored in church. Of course, the extreme is now happening. People go to church because of the excitement. But in the time of Rick Warren, you know, people tend to sleep in church. The music, the sermons are not as vibrant as nowadays. Second, they say the church is irrelevant. Meaning, what they hear in church has no connection with their life from Monday to Saturday. The church is too churchy. It is not addressing the challenges that they are facing as uh, individuals, as workers, as families. Number three, they said the church is, yes, people who know each other greet one another, but if you are a newcomer in church, uh, you feel you are not really welcome. So now the emphasis is a seeker-friendly church. And then the fourth, maybe this was just an impression, people were saying the church is focused so much on money. Many times the sermon is about money and every Sunday they collect money. So if you are a newcomer, your impression is the church is all about money. And then the fifth one is interesting. They said the church is not really keen on children, meaning the church is set up for adults, no facilities for children. So nowadays many churches have children places this same guy wrote and proposed that the church should not be driven by the following number one tradition the tendency of the church is just to do what has been done for so many years and then he said the church should not be driven by money Because the tendency is we do things if we have money. If we don't have money, we don't do things. But Rick Warren said it's wrong because in the New Testament, Peter and John said, silver and gold, we have none. So money should not be a deterrent in ministry. The third, he said, is we should not be program-focused, personality-oriented because many churches in the States are personality-oriented when you say Joel Austin, when you say uh, Rick Warren, when you say Bill Hybels, when you say Denny Hinn. You know it seems that the whole organization and outreach is connected with the popularity of the main person. And then he said it should not be event center or building oriented. So what did he do after the survey He started a church. And I hope that some of you will do what Rick Warren did. In his condominium, he started a Bible study of seven people, including himself and his wife. Seven people in 1980. In 1995, 15 years later, he wrote a book Entitled, The Purpose Driven Church. And two years ago, they celebrated their 37th year and Saddleback Church has 20,000 attendees. So now, it seems that Saddleback Church is more more popular than Saddleback City in uh, Orange County. So, what's the purpose of the church? What should drive the church? So, Rick Warren suggested five things that should drive the church because those are the purposes why the church was started. One is worship, to worship God. Two is to fellowship. Three is to disciple people. Fourth is ministry. And five is mission. And then seven years later, after he wrote The Purpose Driven Church, he revised it. He refocused it. So instead of focusing on the church, he focused on the individual. So the book was entitled The Purpose Driven Life. And you must have heard the story. It was published in 2002. In 2007, only five years later, it has sold 30 million copies. It was the New York Times bestseller for 90 days. And then two years later, it sold another 3 million. And it was translated in 85 languages. And today, according to Barna, the most popular book that has influenced many pastors and Christians is The Purpose Driven Life. Why is that? Because many people really want to know what's the purpose of their lives. And some people unfortunately die without knowing what their purpose was. So today, I'd like us to review in breadcom why do we exist? What's our purpose? And the second question is, how can that be accomplished and what is my role there? So this is not only a sermon for leaders, but a sermon for all of us. So let's begin. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open it in Psalm 78 verse 65 to 72. And we will see God's plan for His people and how that plan will be accomplished. Psalm 78, beginning from verse 65, Then the Lord awoke as if from sleep. By the way, it does not say the Lord awoke from his sleep. Okay? Because the psalm said, The Lord does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord awoke as if from sleep, like a warrior overcome by wine. He drove his adversaries backward. He put on them an everlasting reproach. He also rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but But he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. So here, the psalmist is saying that there are different kinds of people in the world. One kind are those who are his enemies. They don't only not believe in God, they will defy God. But the second group of people are quite familiar to us. What comes to your mind when you hear the word "tent of Joseph, the tribe of Ephraim? Who are they? Who are they? They are also connected with Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and one of them is Joseph, his favorite. And then Joseph has two sons Ephraim and Manasseh but although Reuben is the physical firstborn and Joseph is the favorite firstborn how can one guy have two firstborn Jacob has four firstborns okay <laughs> do you know that Jacob has four firstborns one from Leah one from Rachel, one from Bilha, one from Zilpah, Apat ang But out of the children of Jacob, the leadership, the purpose of God will be accomplished not through Reuben, not through Ephraim, not through Joseph, but through the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe where Jesus will come from. So i like to share with you about the concept of God choosing a people. Some are saying, you know, God is unfair. Why will he choose so and so and not me? Why will God choose Israel and not the Palestinians? So here are three things we can learn about God's choice. The first one is we are all unworthy, meaning his choice of his people is by grace. Why do we say that? In Psalm 78, we read, God led his people with the cloud by day and all the night with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness, gave them abundant drink, Like the ocean depths. Wilderness? Dry land? But they drink water like as if it come from ocean? How can that be? Well, because God was providing them with what they needed. Can you imagine? The wilderness, the desert, is so dry during daytime, you can die of heat stroke. But God's people, they have a pillar of cloud accompanying them by day, covering the intense heat of the sun. Now in the wilderness, at night time, it's too cold. But at night time, the Lord accompanies them through the pillar of fire. That's outstanding. For 40 years, They don't need meralko or napokor. For 40 years, they have light on the evening time and they have cloud on the daytime. And then, they have drink coming from the rocks. That must be sufficient for God's people to really say to God, Wow, how awesome is our God. Thank you, O God. But that was not their response. Look at verse 17. Yet, They continued still to sin against him and to rebel against the Most High in the desert. How long were they in the desert? Forty years. Forty years. And God was feeding them how often in forty years? How often do they eat in the desert? Every day. Do they plant? Do they sow? Do they work? No. The bread comes every day. It's called mana. Mana means what is it? Because they don't know what is it. But every day, mana will come. You know, many Filipinos will be thankful to God if every day they are provided their basic meals. But look at their response in verse 18. In their heart, they put God to the test by asking food according to their desire. Ano ba naman ito? Parang ganito na araw-araw? And then they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can He give bread also? Will He provide meat for these people? Because when they were complaining about the manna every day, God said to them, Okay, you will eat meat. And then the people said, What? Eat meat? Can God provide meat in the desert? Verse 21, Therefore the Lord heard, was full of wrath, a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel. There is one characteristic of people who were delivered by God out of Egypt in the wilderness. They were always complaining and grumbling. If you have a child, from the moment he is born, 40 years old na, nakatira pa sa'yo. Hindi nagtatrabaho. Tapos ang dialogue niya pag umaga, ano ba naman? Ganto na naman ang breakfast natin. Wala na bang iba? How would you feel? Your child, no longer a child because he's 40 years old, complaining, and not only sometimes, complaining every time. This is the picture of God's people in the wilderness. Did God make a mistake in choosing them? Why did He choose them? In Psalm 78 verse 38, He being what? Compassionate. Forgive their iniquity. Did not destroy them. Often, madalas, often, He Gusto mo nang sapakin. He often restrained his anger and did not arouse all his wrath. Paminsan-minsan, sumisingaw yung wrath niya, but he does not allow the fullness of wrath to come upon his people. Why? Because God remembers that they were but flesh, wind that passes and does not return. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and and grieved his heart. When Adam and Eve were created, God put them in the garden so that they can have fellowship together. You know, when God is coming, they already know God is coming and they can talk to God. But Adam and Eve rebelled against God. So they were separated. Here in the wilderness, why did God bring Israel to the wilderness? He could have sent them another way. From Egypt to Israel, passing by the Via Mare, the way of the sea, they could have been there for three weeks to one month. But why did God bring them through the wilderness? because in the wilderness God wants to be with his people every day so he was with them you know when they will have an encampment the three tribes on the north three tribes on the south three tribes on the east three tribes on the west what was on the center the tabernacle was at the center the presence of God is in the center so aside from the cloud in the night time and the cloud in the daytime, the glory of God is with them. But God is not happy. Because every time they were complaining and grumbling. So why did not God wipe them out completely? Because of verse 68. But he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. You know, when you have a son, when you have a daughter, no matter how stubborn, you get angry, you grieve, but that relationship is settled already because it is built on love. So though these people are not deserving, though these people are grumbling and complaining, Yet God continued on and on to relate with them, to take care of them, because He loved them. So what was the purpose why God chose His people? Why did God choose Israel? In Psalm 78 verse 69, God was building what? Building... His sanctuary. The word sanctuary in Hebrew, mikdash, means a place where God dwells. He is building a place where God dwells. And he wants it to be like the heights. He wants it to be glorious. He wants it to be beautiful. He wants it to be permanent as the earth is permanent. So how will that happen? In Exodus 19 verse 5, it will happen if God's people will indeed obey His voice and keep their covenant with God. When that happens, then God's people will be God's own possession. You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's the destiny of Israel. Among all the peoples in the world, God chose Israel to be his own, to be his segula, special possession means to be his prized jewelry. They will become kingdom of priests. What about the nation? Well, they will be kingdom of priests who will declare his glory to the nations. And they will be a separated, unique people. But pastor, that's for Israel. What about the New Testament? Well, take note here. God will build his sanctuary. How did God call that sanctuary in the New Testament? Jesus said, and you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build, I will build my church. So God will dwell, God will be present, God will use his church to reach out to the nations. But pastor, we are not Jewish people. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter wrote to his readers and said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession so that you may declare His excellencies, the one who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Look at verse 10. Once you were not a people. We don't belong to Israel. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. So the calling of God's people in the Old Testament is also his same calling for his people in the New Testament. They were accompanied by the pillar of fire by night and pillar of cloud by day and the tabernacle. But we are accompanied by his spirit. So today, what kind of church that Jesus wants us to build with Him in Breadcomb. Two or three years ago, we invited all the leaders of Breadcomb Satellite Churches and we had a retreat at uh, San Mateo and we asked ourselves what kind of church will Jesus be happy to dwell in our time these days. And from that two-day retreat, we came up with a vision of what we want to see BREADCOM to be. And for you not to forget it, we use the acronym B-R-E-A-D-O-C-N. So if you ask what is BREADCOM all about, I hope you will remember this. Okay? We want a church that will be beautiful in God's sight. Well, churches nowadays can be beautiful when they are big, when they are well laid out, when there is a huge parking, when there is a huge garden. But a church will be beautiful in the eyes of God if it is holy and blameless. No matter how big a church is, if there is corruption there, if there is sin inside the church, it will not be beautiful. Number two, we envision a church that will be relational. A loving church. That's why we have a motto in Breadcombe. We call it LC3. We love Christ. We love the church, each other, and we love the community or the city. Because we really pray that we may not be known as a huge church, but we hope we will be known as a loving church. Number three is evangelistic church. And here I like to confess this area we need to develop. Because this is not our strength. We share the gospel in setting like this but the gospel is best shared in a one to one relational context because your friends in the office will not come to breadcom, but they can hear the gospel from you and they will listen better to you than to a pastor like me because you are their friends so we want we come to be evangelistic. We share the goodness of Jesus to others. We are an adoring church. A church that worships God with our all. We don't only worship God with our minds. We don't only worship God with our lips. We worship God with our whole being. And we worship God in all. We don't only confine worship on Sunday. We are able to worship God Wherever we are from Monday to Sunday, our relationship with God is not weekends only. Number five, and this one is the emphasis of many churches now, is discipling. We are equipping people to follow Jesus and to train others to follow also Jesus. Number six, we like to be a caring church. We don't only love each other but we also like to meet the needs of the community. We are involved in our society. And I thank uh, one of my friends here because every time I see him, I hope the church will be like him because he is very passionate with what the church should be in relation to society. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. So our influence should not only be here inside uh, West Avenue Suites. Our influence should be outside our church. We should get involved in the affairs of our country. In the 1980s to the 1990s, the churches are so focused on saving souls. But Jesus is concerned with the well-being of people. And we need to be concerned the same way. Letter O, we need to be an obedient church. We submit to God. We submit to the leaders. Because the leaders of Bredcombe we elect. And we also submit to our national leaders. We may not have voted for them. But since God has placed them there, we need to support them. We need to love them. The Bible says love your enemies. And our leaders are not even our enemies. They are our mayors. They are our governors. They are our president. We need to love them and support them and be obedient to them. Yes, they are not perfect. We too are not perfect. So I like to use uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, statement and parallel it with uh, our president Steve Jobs said you need to love your work if you don't love your work get out of it if you cannot get out of it then learn to love your work that's Steve Jobs so we need to love our president if you cannot love our president then get out of the country And if you cannot get out of the country, then learn to love our president. You know what? Love will never fail. If we don't love him, if we don't pray for him, then what will happen to the country? And the last, we need to be a missional church. What is a missional church? We plant churches, not just churches that are gathered like this. We plant small groups, Bible studies in our setting, in our homes, in our Bible studies. There are two big churches in the U.S., Saddleback, started in Condominium, and uh, what's the other church (laughs) by Bill Hybels in Chicago? Willow Creek. It started at the basement of a house. If we are a missional church, we will extend our influence in the setting where we are. So how can this happen? How can we have a church like this? Well, how can God's people be what God intended them to be? Well, God will choose individuals in Psalm 78 verse 70 he chose Judah he also chose who David he chose David the church will not be what God intended Israel will not be what God intended Israel to be when there are no leaders but pastor I am not a leader well when God chose people to be leaders God's intention is for leaders to be servants they lead by serving very different from the context of the world in the world if you are the leader you know People serve you. People attend to you. People, you know, support you. But in the context of the Bible, leaders serve. He chose David, his servant. Jesus said to his disciples when they were quarreling, who is the greatest, that it shall not be Like the world where they lord it over. If you want to be great, it's okay that you want to be great. But be a servant. And you like to be the greatest of all, then be the servant of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So the danger with Christianity Today, is we serve so many causes we serve the church the denomination the family the hobbies ourselves we have our own agenda we forget who we are first and foremost that if you are saved by God then you need to be a servant of God as well yes I love my family yes I love my wife I love my children, but now that I belong to Christ, I serve Him first and foremost. And of course, He wants me also to serve my family. But my family cannot be a competitor to my service to God. Because if they are, then they become my small gods, my small idols. The second we want many titles attached to our names you want a title being a lawyer being a doctor being an architect and it's okay but sometimes ang dami ng titles eh the best titles that we can ever have is the lord's servant not a bishop not a pastor not a deacon although those are functional titles but the title that is honoring to God and that will be honored by God is a servant. When Joshua started in Joshua chapter 1 he was called Alalay Nimoses, and then he fought the Lord's battles and in Joshua chapter 24 he was called the Lord's servant and I pray that all of us here will be the Lord's servants look at David he was a king but why did God call him his servant God said I have found David the son of Jesse a man after my heart and what's the qualification of his servant who will do all my will. David was not perfect. He committed blunders after another. But still, God says, he's a man after my heart. Why? Because he will do what I want him to do. And if you ask David, David, if you have one thing you want for your life, what will it be? David will say, I will seek only one thing that I be in the presence of God all the days of my life. He was in love with God. Yes, he's not perfect. He made mistakes. But he came back because he did not want to miss that love he had before. What about us? Colossians 3 23 and 24. Whatever you do, in your office, in your school, at work, whatever, put your heart to it. Do your work heartily. But look at the next qualifier. How do you do it? Ask for the Lord rather than for men. Why is that? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. You know, I was offered three times, three offers that are difficult to refuse. But I have to tell those three guys, I'm okay. I'm where God wants me to be. But then one guy said, bread call? how many are you in breadcomb? That time we were 200. And the guy said, we are 7,000 and in 10 years we will be 100,000. But I told the guy, yeah, you can get it. You can become 100,000 in 10 years. But God called me in breadcomb. This is where he has placed me. What about your children? Your children deserve the best. And I said, well, What about my children? <laughs> well, they, need, they should be in the best schools. So I said, Well, my daughter is in UP. And during the time, the tuition was only 6,000. And my two boys are in Philippine Science High School. So I said, What about my children? And then the final question, How much is bread paying you? And I said, You cannot match how I am paid. Because God is the one I am serving. He's the one taking care of me. I pray that when you work in your office, you put your heart into it. You do your best. But you are not only doing it for your office, you're doing it for God. Because that is your ministry. God placed you there. So it's good to be a light and salt of God in that community, in that place where you are. You are God's missionary there. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And I love this. I love this. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Can you imagine when you are welcomed by God in the new heaven and earth? All the angels, all the seraphim, all the cherubim, and all the people who have lived from the time of Adam will all stand up because as God is honoring you, they too will honor you. When Jesus said to us, Welcome, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. All those heavenly and earthly beings will rise up. So you may not be honored in this world. You may be very ordinary in this world. But in that world to come, you will be an honored person if you are serving the Lord so how do we serve him in Psalm 78 verse 71 and 72 we are told how we serve the Lord from the care of youths with suckling lambs God brought David to do what to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance ok so our role is not only servants of the Lord we are shepherds all God's people are shepherds in the wilderness David was a shepherd Moses was a shepherd Abraham was a shepherd what is it about being shepherd in the Old Testament there were three roles of shepherd The fourth one, highlighted by Jesus. Shepherds care for the flock. You know the flock. The flock knows you, even your smell, even your voice. You know, I cannot imagine this sight. In the wilderness, in the place where God's people lived in the past, there is usually just one well, one well of water whether it is Beersheba or whether it is uh, Samaria. And then all the shepherds will go to that well before sunset. Okay, So maybe say 10 or 12 shepherds will go and all their flock are following them. So they will all go to the same well and they will drink from that well. And then after they have drunk, the shepherd will leave. Can you imagine they will follow their respective shepherd? How is that? Because they know his voice. They know his smell. So shepherds really are known because when sheep are hurting, they carry them in their bosom. When they are hurt, they heal them. They bondage their wounds and they place them near their hearts. Of course the second role of shepherds is they they feed. They bring them to green pastures. And if there are no green pastures they look for one. And the third is they lead them. He lead me in paths of righteousness. But the fourth one is highlighted by Jesus. Jesus said I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So this uh, Is the role of shepherds. But pastor, is that not the role of pastor, elders, and deacons? Well, in the Bible, we have different kinds and abilities of leaders. You know, when Moses was trying to lead God's people, Jethro told him, Moses, what you are doing is not right. You will burn out yourself, you will burn out the people. This is what you do. You choose able people to help you. So in Israel, there are leaders of thousands. There are leaders of hundreds. There are leaders of fifties. There are leaders of tens. And we can add, there are leaders of twos and threes. If you are born again, and you are already born again for three years, you need to be shepherding, you need to be caring, You need to be feeding. You need to be leading somebody else already. Okay? Are you? If you have been a Christian for more than three years and you just come to church every Sunday, thank you. But we are doing you a disservice because that's not Christian life. A true Christian life is what you have what you have seen, what you have experienced, what you have learned, you transfer to somebody else. So can I request you something? Bira kasi ako mag-sermon sa bread cone eh. Pero alam ko, sa December, sa sermon ako. Di ba Christmas, December? Sino mo birthday? Sino mo ay birthday? Ah, birthday mo sa December. Birthday din ni doktora sa December. December, birthday ni Jesus Can we? Can I challenge you? Can I invite you? Pwede ba ngayon, December 2019 Before thinking of what we can give to our friends To our family To our children To our parents Can we think what we can give to Jesus? Kasi siya a birthday celebrant eh Minsan tayo Dying parties Bibigyan tayo ng mga gifts May exchange gifts pa eh. Pero ang walang gift, yung may birthday. What's the best gift we can give to Jesus? Somebody you have brought to his flock. Somebody you have shared the gospel. Somebody you have fed. Somebody you have guided. No? So starting today, and in the next few weeks, can you mentally Think of people, their names, their faces, and say, I will pray for that person starting today. And Lord, give me the opening, give me the grace to tell that person about Jesus. Kasi ngayon, na namamatay eh. No? The worst thing that can happen is your friend in the industry, your friend in the office dies, And you are not certain whether that person will go to heaven. That's a tragedy. He is your friend. And you don't know where he will go for eternity. He is your family member. And you you are not even sure that person will go to heaven. What's the alternative? That person will be in hell. So may I challenge you. You may not be a leader or a shepherd for hundreds. It's okay. But you can share the gospel to one or two people. And you know I pray that on December, Pastor Abet, anong Sunday ba 'ko sa December? Ha? Second Sunday. Pwede ba imbitahin natin sila dito? they may not know it they are not here now so they don't know what we talked about but on that day we will just be saying Lord Jesus here is what I would like to offer you huh? so we will have to open this place so that we can accommodate people say we can be lulled to sleep But the problem is when we reach heaven, you don't have a crown. You don't have a source of joy. You know, the car we spend cleaning almost every week or every day, they will not be with you in heaven. You don't need a car in heaven because you can transport. But if you lead a person to Christ, that person will be eternally grateful to God for you. Because you allowed yourself to be used by God to bring him or her to his heavenly kingdom. So shepherd that person. Feed that person. Pray. Begin by praying for that person. And then when God opens the door, share the gospel to that person. So how do we shepherd God's people? Three ways how to shepherd them. Number one is shepherd them with your head. Look at, the, look at the, how David was called. Shepherd, Jacob, his people. Who will David Shepherd? Who? Jacob. What comes to your mind when you hear the name Jacob? Jacobites? Huh? They are liars, stubborn, supplanters, mandurugas. So people are like that. They will disappoint you. They may even hurt you. But look at the next statement. Shepherd Jacob, his people. Yes, people may not look nice to you. They may not be treating you right. But the prospect is, these people were people that Jesus died for. And they can be precious. And they can be transformed. The name Jacob was transformed to Israel. Wow. And they are called the Lord's inheritance. You will not see transformation in people's lives if you don't pray for them, if you don't share the gospel to them. So we need to change the way we look at people. Why don't we share the gospel to people? One, they don't need it. Really? Really? Why don't they need it? Because they're rich already. They're famous already. What? But how long will they be rich and famous? 60, 70 years? 90 years? Or after that where do they go? They go to hell. Ah no no, that person I don't share the gospel to that person because that person is hopeless. Who are we to say that person is hopeless? Who is the worst person in the Bible? In the Old Testament, it is Ahab. In the New Testament, who was the person? Thank you. Paul, you cannot compete with him anymore. He said that already. I am the worst. But can you imagine God transformed the worst sinner in the world to become the most staunch proclaimer of the gospel? So we need to change the way we think of people. No? How I wish that Eddie Garcia will go to heaven. But the big question is out of the many Christians who are in the industry working with him has anyone shared to him the gospel? That's the big question. So you and I still have time in our setting where we are. Let's just begin to pray for people. Pray for people by name. And then begin to share the gospel. If they are not responsive now, it's okay. Share to the next person. So we shepherd with a biblical head. That starting today, I need to love them. You cannot disciple a person you do not care for, you do not love. So begin to love them. We want a president who is a Christian. But are we praying for these future presidents? Do we care for them? Number two, when we shepherd, we need to shepherd them with integrity of heart. What do we mean by integrity? The Hebrew word means complete, blameless, upright. Meaning, when we disciple a person, we disciple a person because we care for him, not because we want to make him a statistics in church. Whether he got born again or not, I will love him, I will pray for him, I will share the gospel to him. Wilkerson, who just visited the Philippines recently, when he did a seminar on walking through the Bible, he described the first three kings of Israel like this. Saul has no heart for people and for God. Solomon has half heart. no? Kasi yung half heart niya for chicks, for women. See si David, full heart. Ayan. My dear brethren, if we cannot love God's people whom we see, how can we love God whom we do not see? So when we care for people, when we shepherd them, let's not just do it because it's our job. No, no, no. We do it because we care. The third, we shepherd people with skillful hands. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and with, with skillful hands. When God instructed moses through jethro to choose judges he said choose able men out of all israel some able men can judge thousands hundreds some 50 some tens in the new testament second timothy chapter 2 verse 2 paul wrote to timothy the same way what you have learned from me and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others, also. So it's okay to witness to all people. But in terms of discipling, disciple someone whom you believe can also disciple others. Uh, Brother Waldi is our music director here. So what will Brother Waldi do? He will also train somebody to do what he is doing. We have different gifts. We have different skills. But take note of these two comments. Comment number one, all of us, if we are born again, all of us have gifts from God. So we need to use them. Second, when you are using your gifts, see to it that you are also training somebody with the same gift. So that the generations of leaders will continue. Okay. Talking about skillful hands. I will be operated this coming thursday i will have surgery what if the one who will operate on me is not skillful i think even if you inject me with anesthesia i will try my best to be alive to be awake (laughs) but if your doctor is skillful then you can just lay your trust in god and to the doctor who has skillful hands so in church whatever skill you have sharpen it use it and let somebody also learn from it and that's the way to do a ministry but pastor can I really do it can I serve God and can I shepherd people Paul wrote the same thing in 2 Corinthians 2 who is adequate for these things and he answered it in 2 Corinthians 3. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from is from God, who made us adequate as servants of the new covenant. We are not serving out of the letter of the law, but of the Spirit, because the Spirit gives life. Let the Spirit of God use you to impart life to your friends, to your family members. Can Breadcomb really built up as a church where God is pleased to dwell? Yes. Because God himself will enable us, will cause things to work out. He will give us his glory so that we are able to do it. So let me end with these two challenges. Is your present purpose in life... Aligned with God's, God's purpose for your life? Because if God's purpose and your purpose are aligned, your life will be easy and happy. But if God's direction for you is here, and then you are walking towards this direction, you know there will be many problems. Many of you have quoted this verse already in Jeremiah 29, 11. God said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future, a hope in that future. So it will be good to know God's purpose for your life because God's purpose is good, acceptable and perfect if you make a mistake we will be hurting ourselves and we will be hurting others but pastor what do I do for the meantime I don't know yet God's plan for me, well it's okay go back to the basic and what's the basic, first Corinthians 1 9, God is faithful who has called you to what? Who has called you into? That's our primary calling. Fellowship with whom? God called us into fellowship with whom? With His Son. Wouldn't it be great if you fellowship with Jesus every day? Not only on Sunday. Every day, like 5 to 10 minutes. Before you go to the office, you spend time to pray. To read this word, one paragraph, one, one verse, to pray again, and then go to the office. Before you know it, you already know his voice. Before you know it, you can already identify how he feels. If I talk to you by phone, once, twice, when I call you the third time, will you already know it's me on the other line? Yes. Why? Because you're talking to me. The same with the Lord Jesus. If you are spending time fellowshipping with Jesus, your time with the counselor, with the psychologist, with the pastor will be lesser. Why is that? Because you can already come to Jesus and to seek his counsel, to seek his voice. But if you have been Christian already for 20 years and you still don't know the voice and the leading of Jesus. That's sad. That's sad. So our basic purpose is to be connected with Jesus because it is Jesus who will direct you in the way you should go. Remember, He is the way He will lead ahead of you. He will be there with you. He will be there to guide you, to empower you, to make your work successful. Second, now that you belong to Christ, are you fulfilling His twofold calling? Ano ba twofold calling ko? One is to serve Him. You know, nowadays, I am excited. I am excited. Why? Because doctor and I, while we are serving the Lord, serving the church, we are also serving our children. But we have graduated. You know, when we are out, we have to say, oh, let's go back. Ano na kayang sa mga bata? But now, wala na, mga bata, eh. na mga bata So now we can go anywhere. So it's an opportunity to serve God this time, not only in Pasig, but we can serve God in Australia, we can serve God in uh, different parts of the world. Is the Lord the one you are serving? Because if it is the Lord, you will be happy. You know what jesus said these things i spoke to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy will overflow but when your life is not aligned with jesus life will be heavy and hard and unhappy but if you are serving jesus there will be joy and gladness number two is shepherding and that's that's my challenge that the second Sunday of Christmas, or uh, December, I'll be asking, what gifts have you brought to the Lord? By the way, don't absent yourself, huh? <laughs> I will look for you. Now naku wala, <laughs> akong dala. ni Pastor, hindi ko ginawa assignment ko. Let's begin to pray that the Lord will bring you to the harvest. We need to think we need to have harvest mentality. What did Jesus say? Look, the harvest is, is plentiful. It's not only ripe, it is plentiful. So if somebody is not responsive yet, it's okay. Wag mo na siyang inad. Because there may be other people who are waiting just to be told. And it will be great if you find those people around you. They are just waiting for you to tell them. Let us pray. Our God, we thank you for this privilege that in the life of Israel, we can learn from your purpose, not only for New Testament believers, but also for breadcomb. Lord, if we are not fulfilling our calling from you, we ask for forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that today, all of us who are here will be willing to serve you. And those of us who are already your servants, Lord, rekindle in our hearts the joy, the passion to lead other people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, thank you for Breadcomb Quezon City. But we also pray you will use us to bring other people who are not yet in your flock so that they too will experience Jesus and they will know the joy of Jesus. If there is somebody here today and you have been serving your family, your business so well but you have not really thought but you can serve Jesus at the same time. Today, if you want to say, Lord, I want to be your servant. I want to dedicate my life to you. Would you raise your hand and I will pray for you. Is there anyone who would like to do that this afternoon? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, yes. Those of you who raise your hand, say this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, Thank you for offering me the opportunity to be your servant. And I dedicate to you my life starting today. I offer you what I have. And Lord, thank you for your promise that you will be with me and that one day you will honor me. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.